0: Damn it, I'm wrong about that. He didn't pass. Who the fuck passed recently in this movie? Um, I found in my head that somebody...
1: Because Ramos is still alive.
0: Yeah, yeah. In the garage. I'm Corey Cope.
1: I'm Freddie Wolf.
0: We're continuing our director series with our second movie, Walter Hill's The Driver from 1978. 1978. Yeah. Barely a year after Star Wars decimated the world. And then Star Wars is still in the theater at this point. Because it's one, at the time, movies just hung out. Either they were gone in seven weeks. That was funny back in the day when they'd have ads like that in the newspaper. Back when they had ads in newspapers, and
1: for the twelfth week in a row,
0: yeah, like it's a Broadway play or something. Yeah, totally. Fifty-two <laughs> weeks at the Fox Theater. Thankfully, this movie didn't come out until 1978, so it got a chance to kind of find its audience and some. It didn't get a, it didn't blow up, but it made its money back. But for making almost five million dollars in 1978, it's not too shabby for a movie like this. But it stars Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern, and Isabella Johnny, who looks ridiculous in this movie. Too. Yeah,
1: she's like twenty-one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> she's such I a mean, baby yeah. in it.
1: Between this and The Tenant. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. She's she. You know, it's funny. It Also, has a very uh, not young, but I almost didn't recognize Ronnie Blakely right. like the first time I saw it. As yeah. you know, because she's the mother a few years later in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Right, Rudy Ramos, of course. Matt this, Clark comes up later on. Yeah, Matt Clark was a was was fun. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh my gosh! Okay, here's something I gotta say up front about this. I know I've seen this because I owned it. I'm telling you, dude, I film knees in my own ass because <laughs> I don't remember anything about this movie at all. <laughs> I swear, I was like, it was like watching it for the first time again last night. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great! It was so cool to experience that again. And forgetting all the little things in there, everything that's come out since then, and all those movies that came out after, were all their little homages to this movie. It was cool to just to see those things the the moment they happened. Like, clearly, obviously, uh, Drive.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Like I always said, I liked Drive better when it was called The Driver and starred Ryan O'Neill.
0: Yeah things in there here and there like uh you'll you'll see some things that you saw in heat so obviously michael mann was a fan of the driver lots of things uh especially the los angeles location says a lot too about about the two movies that kind of take a little bit from the driver so when you see them in the movie you're like whoa that's didn't they take that of course not dude the movie's like fucking 50 years old or well, 40 years old it's funny about this movie is it starts off a lot like those other movies and
1: it starts off exactly like Drive.
0: Yeah, exactly. The difference is mean,
1: it's a little more fleshed out in this movie.
0: Yeah, for for sure. And because the one's called Drive, and this one's called The Driver. I think we fall, even though we stay with the driver the whole time in this movie for the most part. But this one starts off and on, you know, like you said, very much more fleshed out than a movie like Drive and what the driver does when he, when he's preparing for a job. But it just starts off with Ryan O'Neill playing the driver, hot wiring a car in a parking structure. And uh, back in the day when it was easier to hot wire cars before they had computers in them.
1: Oh, yeah. I <laughs> mean, it also is much easier getting into a car, you know, yeah. taking a lock on the door, <laughs> you
0: know. And back in the day when, uh, for me anyway, I was, you know, I was nine years old. Oh my God, I don't know one car from another. I knew a Trans Am because of movies, and I knew Corvettes because of movies. But I don't know what kind of car that blue car was that he stole. I don't know what that was. Is it a Ford LTD? Yeah, all the cars look the same in the movie, by that standard, for me anyways. Because I still remember things like it was when I was a kid. But a lot of the cars, you just go, oh, that's a car from the 70s. So you just kind of go with that. So he hotwires the car, and then we cut to a casino in a poker room. They're just gonna, it's like
1: a card room, like you know, more than a casino. I there there used to be like those things all over, like LA, like card rooms, like you have to go to Hawthorne,
0: right? And Torrance, downtown LA, yeah. And they had them city of uh, industry, yeah. They had them in, uh, they had one in CME too up on that hill, you know, when you're driving down the 118, Mm -hmm. that hill that used to be a card room up there, right? We scanning around the the poker room and cutting back, intercutting with the driver who's now parked and just pulls over and parks on the side of the street and he's listening to a police scanner. And we're intercutting between the casino and a driver. So we see Isabella Johnny, like she's out at one of the tables playing. She gets up from the table with her chips and goes to the cage and cashes out. And just before she's getting ready to, to leave the floor, she kind of looks around, does a quick scan and walks out the back door. And we cut to the driver and he's... <laughs> just speeding down this back alleyway and crashing through a wood fence and comes through a screeching halt right in the back door of the, of the card house. This is one of the things that kind of struck me funny is that why was he for guys trying to be low key. He sure made a lot of noise.
1: Well, those the guys were late. The two guys, they they, they they was all supposed to work like clockwork. He's supposed to crash through the fence and hit his mark. They're supposed to be coming out, piling the car and, gone.
0: See, I didn't get that. I didn't get the part. They were supposed to be right, right there at that moment.
1: Yeah. Well, they, 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 he even says it. You fuckers were late. Well, you no, no, no he's, I, get,
0: I got that part later on when he says they were late, but I thought that was like, there was some time between them and then people just standing outside.
1: No, watching. no that, that's why, that's why he comes barreling and he's like, comes in hot and fucking crashes through that fence. And then just has to sit there with his dick in his hand.
0: And Isabel's just standing there and then and then three other people are standing there watching him. Just the car just sitting there. And he's just trying not to look at him to show his face and trying to keep it, can keep himself low key. And then two masked, the like are coming, or are inside the casino, coming down the stairwell and bum rush a security guard and tap him on the head.
1: Yeah, man. A little whack across the back of the head with a 38.
0: <laughs> just ding. And this is a moment where I was talking about you. He's... The both both robbers are wearing those masks that you see in heat. And uh, I thought it was kind of a cool like a yeah, totally.
1: little
0: nod that the heat that Michael Mann uses from from this. They come barreling out the back door past the people hanging out in the back, Isabel and the three other witnesses hop in the back of the car and bolts off. And then they cut to a bar and there's Bruce Darren playing pool. <laughs> Chris Turn is so fucking great in this movie, dude. He's just on, and he, just, and he never wavers. He's just no, on the whole dude, time. He's great. No.
1: He's like Pacino's character in fucking Heat.
0: In Heat, yeah.
1: And they're in a bar called Torchies, which, and this is the first time we, it, it's a reoccurring Walter Hill thing. Torchies Bar is in almost every Walter Hill movie. Yep. Torchies is the redneck bar in 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Torchies is the bar in uh, Streets mm-hmm. of Fire where uh, Raven Shattuck has um, Diane Lane held hostage up in the Richmond. Right. Um, and I believe it's in a couple other, I don't know there was a Torch, Torchies is a thing with Walter. It's a reoccurring character in his movies.
0: Right. Bruce Dern's in there playing pool, and and then there's Matt Clark, dude. Matt Clark. I mean, it's always a joy to see Matt Clark in a movie,
1: dude. I love Matt Clark. Yeah,
0: and he's so cool in this. I mean, he's he's is like he's he just he's is he a partner or is he just somebody that's working underneath him? While it's uh, never it's never really clear, but Matt Clark doesn't isn't particularly fond of of Bruce Dern's way of doing things. Right. Well, he's more of a by the book kind of dude.
1: You know what I find funny? Like if this was like a, if this wasn't such a stripped down lean sort of throwback to, you know, Matt Clark would have been IA and there would have been some other you right. know, trivial subplot. But um, yeah, man, I mean, I just kind of dig there, the the kind of touch and go between him and Dern, Right. you know, Matt Clark is one of those guys who you've seen him in hundreds of movies, you know, maybe you don't know his name, but you know, his face yep. and he's always solid.
0: Always. So he tells Dern that there's a 211 in progress. Lets him know what the address is, and right away, Bruce Dern's like, "Oh, that's the casino address. I know what that is." Next shot we see is they they come walking out of Torchies, which is great because it's, it's again like you know that it's in other Walter Hill movies, and the sign is exactly the same, brilliant neon, and they come walking out to a undercover police van, box vans parked out front. And we get to see Felice Orlandi, who you may know from a lot of things, but for me anyway, he stands out as being the the main dude in Killer's Kiss from Stanley Kubrick. Right. And he's just sitting there listening to the radio. And by the way, I should point out the unique names that Walter Hill's given all of his characters. You know, Matt Clark is a Red Plains clothesman. He's the plane, and Orlandi is the Gold Plain Gold can't even talk to Clothesman, Clothesman, plain clothesman, plain clothesman. And so, those in the police radio, Gold tells them, Hey, there's four units on the way to the scene. And then, over the radio, your dispatcher say the description of the driver, driver male, Caucasian, late 20s, sandy, wavy hair. Both the detective and says said, well, That's him. Same goddamn stun he pulled six weeks ago.
1: <laughs> Sounds like our guy. Urgh.
0: And of course, Clark has no idea what they're talking about. And neither one of them has the patience for his questions about initially. Like, Shut up, dude. I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the radio, which is funny because, I mean, it's a great setup because, like, it's just a continuation of that. Uh, Clark is not a fan of Dern and the way he does things because he's very much, I want to say he's very much by the book, but he's not a fan of how off the book Dern goes in the movie. So we cut back to the the getaway car now we're in the back seat, and the mask comes off. Now these are two dudes that you may not know their names of, but these are like career stunt players that occasionally yep. will pop on in, in on the screen. Uh, it's Nick Dimitri and and Bob Miner as again fun names, blue mask and green mask.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, Bob Miner dude has been in about six movies I've watched in the last three weeks.
0: He's he's always so cool because when the mask comes off, I was like, oh, like I said, it feels like a first time for me. I'm like, hey, Bob Miner. Um, like I said, you'd you'd recognize both these guys um, from other things, but um, not surprised that Walter Hill would use them, and like uh, most other directors that use these guys, they're always were big stunt players, and so because they're so they're used so often, they're always on set. So yeah, throw them in front of the camera and let them do their thing. But they're they're good. They can actually act. They're not just some stunt dudes they throw yeah. in there just to look a certain part they can actually act.
1: I mean Walter does a with, with you know cuz also Alan Graf shows up later in this movie all another right. stunt performer that you know and these guys it's back in the day when stunt performers and acting went hand in hand yep. in these type of movies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you didn't have to cast an actor cuz he was some agency's sweetheart and then cast a stuntman to do all his work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they seem like they be doing they're doing okay. but... But the driver, man, he is just constantly looking around, looking around. All of a sudden, black and white turns around, cherries and the siren come on, and now they're being pursuit. We're like, wait, I, well, they said there's four black and whites on this, heading to the scene, right? So there's going to be more, right? So the chase is going on, and he's able to ditch the first car. But now car number two shows up, right? cherries and siren blazing. And now he, he's up their ass, and then a the third car joins in. So now they're in pursuit, being pursued by... By two black and whites, and this goes on for a good solid minute, and then the fourth car finally shows up. They're just going at it, just, just kind of trying to keep up each, with each other. And then back, and that's back in time when you know, you could have both, you know, both the black and whites and the the and being pursued be the same make. There wasn't. Yeah, any... I mean,
1: these are big V 8s too, man. Yeah. These aren't little sports cars. No. It's not like you know they're, they're racing big nineteen seventies American made. Yeah. <laughs> v8 horsepower
0: yep they're they're beefy and they can take us some punishment
1: too (laughs) yeah man i mean totally like they're made of steel dude because they're hitting shit and they're fucking rubbing each other they've you know sparks are flying i mean this is a great chase
0: it really is and this is one of those types of chases thank god that they did this no score no sound effects just ambient noise what's going on And, and just let it speak for itself Look, I love Baby Driver, but the kids, the whole kid's point of the movie was that he has to wear, he listens to music to kind of keep himself in time so he knows where he's at when he's leaving the scene. Doesn't need that. This driver just goes, I don't need music, man. <laughs> just give me the road and I'll get away. That's it. So they bump into one of the black and whites in a parked car, and now they're just, now it's just a couple of them in pursuit. It's a great car chase. And this is like, this is usually in a, in a movie like this, you're seeing this car chase way earlier at the beginning of a movie. You know, you're not getting the setup. You're just kind of just going, like you said, it's more fleshed out what's going on. You know, during the pursuit, uh, they force one of the, the, the third cop car into an alley and cause it to flip over. Like that's, that's a decent crash. There's a couple of car flips in this movie and especially towards the end. I'm just.
1: <sighs> yep.
0: Again, they they don't do stunts like this anymore. And if you see stunts similar to this now, I'm I'm gonna bet money that they're it's all digital and there's nobody, there's no real car, there's nobody inside of it. Now just have one black and white up their ass and then a the second one finally comes up again. Like it's they're getting back into play. And then, and again, the driver is just like he's man, he's just doing his thing. Now the cop cars the cops or raising the stakes, man. Out comes a shotgun, man. You start taking shots at the getaway car. And then it are off the trunk, which goes flying.
1: Yeah, it's a I love when the trunk just explodes yeah. into the night sky. Right. And
0: it didn't just happen right away, too. That's another thing, too. If you see a trunk go flying out the back of a car in most movies, it's like it, it deliberately lands somewhere. You know, they'll do a cutaway where it lands on a parked car and the alarm goes off as somebody's getting in their car. You know, the dumb the dumb attempt at making something humorous Just, just, that's what happens, man. trunk gets shot and goes flying in the air. Yep. Again, and they're screaming too, man. And they have these locked super wide lock shots in a lot of these, in a lot of the, throughout the chase, where they're taking these big wide turns, and man, there's no no pussyfooting around. They're hauling ass, man, and they're and like you noted, these are big cars, big heavy cars, and for them to make turns like this, you, man, it's crazy. It's it's you don't realize how how unsafe the conditions are. So the driver takes this really sharp left, and it forces two of the black and whites to kind of lose control and kind of crash into each other. Doesn't completely debilitate them, but it slows them down and it gives a driver a chance to kind of get some space between them and the other cars. The two cop cars catch up, but now they've lost them. And they're kind of like, they're, they're turning off their, their cherries and everything. They're kind of like, well, what the fuck man, they do bail. And we cut to the driver and he's sitting at the end of a dark street with his lights off, just waiting. Cause he knows he knows he's not, he hasn't gotten away yet. He can still hear, he can still hear all the activity from the other, the other officers and the other black and whites just waiting. And then both cop cars <laughs> that he ditched turn down the street, and they're heading towards him. He throws on his lights and guns it towards them, and one of two games of chicken in this movie, and he just hauling ass at them. What do you think happens, Fred?
1: I'm going to say they. Pro- I'm, I'm going to say I, I, both cars peel off, and we have some mass destruction because yeah. Ryan O'Neill is not chicken.
0: Nope. Nut chicken.
1: Because I was, you know what? This is funny because it, it kind of reminds me, uh, not frame for, but it's it's set up a bit like the bus sequence in Red Heat. Yeah, you totally do. Right? Like cameras are, you know, similar positions. It's just, you know, instead of two buses, we have three cars. Yeah. But, but the outcome is kind of the same. The two cop cars, if you will, become the two buses. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Again, man, this movie is just, it's so and just the like you said the lack of score and just the sound of these gunning and racing engines and the tires squealing and you know rubber on the road and um you know these guys in the back reacting to O'Neill, who doesn't fucking bat an eye and doesn't break a sweat you know and this is all we're still in the first 12 13 minutes of the movie
0: <laughs> right the movie's super lean and like we we're talking about before not just duration but it, it gets to the point there's no fucking around again not a lot of dialogue in the movie but it's a movie. It's so <laughs> we don't need dialogue all the time. Show oh, right. it. Show I mean, it. The
1: thing. Yeah, you're, you're seeing it. You know, don't this was show me. Don't tell me. And this is me a don't perfect example of that. Me. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like all the actors are cast, especially for the way they look. So when we see the dealer, when we see the connection, we instantly identify who they are, and we don't need a bunch of backstory or you know, we we get the information. As O'Neill gets it and we get just what we need. We don't get like, there's no backstory, but this story, we don't, we know the backstory. Right. We got all of it with a minimal amount of, uh, you know, exposition, which is, you know, is how it should be.
0: Right. So after the driver ditches the two cops into, into slamming into those trash bins after their game of chicken, we cut to Darren, Clark, and Orlando in the police van listening to the radio calls of the pursuit that's been going on. And so they just, Darren says, calling the dispatch, we're going to head over to the, to the casino. So they go over to the casino, off they go. And we cut back to the driver now, and he's at the junkyard wiping down the getaway car. And <laughs> you know, he's cleaning this tool that he uses to break into the car, and also he uses it as a conduit for his hot wiring. Like what would you call that? It's like it's like a key on one end, and, the, and it's just just a piece of stylized steel and just crafted yeah, steel.
1: I'm sure there's a term for it, but it, it escapes me at the moment. Because, but yes, it's a, it's a very specialized. I feel like it's it's repo men use them, and I, there is yeah. a name for it, but I can't you know I can't remember exactly what it's called at the moment.
0: I couldn't find. I went through a couple of uh, synopses online for the movie, and nothing like just as the tool.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sure that it's a repo man, um, you know, if we, if, you know, repo men all over the world probably use that damn thing or, you know, back in the set when you could, because now, like you said, computer shutdowns, low jacks, all that kind of stuff makes things a thousand times harder than they were in 1978. Yeah.
0: Just a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just a bit. So he
0: wipes down the tool and he stares at it for a moment and tosses it in the back of the car, which I thought was Okay, so he's given up. This is this was this his last job. That's kind of like what's kind of alluding to. This This is his last job, and he never says it because he's a lone wolf. He doesn't answer anybody, so he throws in the back of that. But at the same time, I'm wondering: is he taunting the detective that he? I think he
1: is taunting. I think he's. I think he's leaving a little. You know, it's a little fuck you to Dern.
0: Yeah, who we don't know at this point. They haven't met each other. We we don't know that they've met each other, but it's clear that. One is the has been in pursuit of this dude for a long time, and the pursuer knows it. Yeah. So anyway, cleans his tool, throws in the back of the car, and then he handles the crane himself and drops the their blue getaway car into the pile. Cut to blue mask and green mask dividing up the money. Kind of giving the driver a little bit of grief, right? And you, you know, be more careful. You know, we, you know, we want to, we want want to use you again. And he's like, Nah, there isn't going to be a next time, dude. You guys were late. You guys fucked us. And, you know, there was one point, too, like, I don't recall which one. I think it was, I think it was Green Mask me a comment about um, the driver. Are you sure you weren't seen? <laughs> and he's just, Ryan O'Neill's just quiet. He doesn't want to bust the dude's balls on my going. They, they might have because you guys were fucking late assholes. Right. He gets his chance to say it and gets his money and off he goes. He's a man of few words. Again, doesn't need to say anything. Cut to our, our undercover trio who is now at the junkyard and they're having the getaway car craned and dropped in there so they can kind of continue their investigation and tracking down the driver. And right away, almost instantly, Dern finds the tool that, that O'Neill threw in the back and he looks at it and shows it to Torolandi and he was, they both say, oh, that's him, the cowboy. This is the first time you say the cowboy, though, right? I think yep. it is. Yeah,
1: yep. Did it make you think of interspace? Space? Did you giggle?
0: Yes, a little bit,
1: <laughs> like you were expecting Bob Picardo. Yeah, <laughs> to to that show afro? Up in the show, movie,
0: <laughs> right? Or Martin Short. It, Dern, Dern's got the afro in this one, right?
1: Oh, Dern's got a bit of a yeah, He's he's got some weight. It's funny, man. Dern is uh 42 at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, it's funny because I've only, you know, I've always just known Dern, you know, you think of Bruce Dern, to me, I, he's just locked into the 70s and 80s. So like when I see Bruce Dern now, I'm like, who in the hell is that old dude? Right. <laughs> and how old was he? How old was he in 1978? Oh, he's 42. Um, so yeah, man, it's crazy. But yeah, he does have a little bit of a, I would say it's more of a permanent wave. He reminded me of
0: Elliot Dodgers pitcher, Don Sutton.
1: Yeah, a little bit of Don Sutton going on there.
0: Uh, which is fitting because right around that time, that's when Don Sutton was pitching for the Dodgers. So that's yeah. probably why I was. It, it stood out to me.
1: Don Sutton and Tommy John, same rotation. Oh my gosh, dude!
0: That team is so good, so ridiculous. Fuck the Yankees.
1: Reggie Jackson's leg.
0: The the year that the second meeting was this year was the same year the seventy eight.
1: Yeah, this was the uh, rematch. This is the one. This is where the Dodgers won. you yeah.
0: know. They lost. They lost both against the Yankees.
1: 77, 77. I know. And I'm just I think they won in 80.
0: They won in 80, right?
1: No, I think Philadelphia won in 1980. I think they won in 81. 81. Dodgers. 81. won 81. And then
0: again in 88? 88.
1: That's yeah.
0: the Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson, right. And So we cut to now. We've got four eyewitnesses. That are, they're on scene now. And we don't know who they're looking at. <laughs> they're, at a, they're at a bar. Dern is walking with them, just kind of getting each one of them's ears like, you know, take a good long look at this guy, you know.
1: Yeah, where the fuck are they at? They're like in a warehouse.
0: Yeah, it's weird because like, it looks like they're at a bar. It's it's weird. It's, it's so, it's lit a certain way where it's really difficult to tell the location and you, there's no establishing shot prior to, to that or after that for us to know what's going on. First, you see the first three eyewitnesses, the one, everybody but Isabella. They get to the last guy. He's like, I don't know. I didn't get a good look, but she did. She got a better look than me. He's like, Who? The girl in black in the end. And they walk down there, and there's Isabel. And she is just dead eyed looking forward. And Darren's getting in the air. You sure this isn't the guy? Are you sure? And then we cut to, and then we see, oh, it's Ryan O'Neill standing against a brick wall. Mike, well, now I'm really confused about where they're at because I, I don't know. It seemed like they're in some kind of warehouse, like you said, but then there's a brick wall. It's very confusing.
1: So, yeah, they're definitely not in a police station.
0: No, it's a shithole.
1: <laughs> it's the, right. It's like Sub uh, Precinct 13. <laughs>
0: Anyway, none of them can confidently ID him, but we know Isabella Ajani. She knows.
1: She saw his face. Yeah. She did. Now, my question for you is, do you think that, was she working with O'Neal or is she just doesn't like cops? And she's not, and she really doesn't like this cop because he's kind of a cock.
0: Yeah. She. He's pressing, you know, Dern's pressing her hard and he's sure she knows something, but she doesn't give him up. And later on, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, when he goes to pay her. I can't tell if he's paying her for an act of being hired as a as a witness or she's being paid off to say she doesn't know who he is, it doesn't recognize him. That part I was I wasn't sure about. But it doesn't matter at this point because but cause you know, later on when the connection's talking to, to him, who did you have pay her off? Again, it's hard to tell like was she hired or was she paid off?
1: Right. Like my yeah, like was she a professional witness? So right which it's set up for her to be, so they'd interrogate her, and then she could discredit. It wasn't him. I don't know. I can't, you know, I was never, which is cool, because it's one of the things that, again, it's something that's not just given to you.
0: Right. I don't know if she's Dixie or she's being paid off. I don't know which.
1: Right. <laughs> Poor Dixie.
0: Poor Dixie. Dern continues, you know, kind of like going down the line and just busting all their balls as a group. Like, fuck, you got nothing for me? You guys are full of shit. Fuck off. <laughs> and he's just- he has no time for people's bullshit, and he's one of those guys that if you don't, he doesn't want to hear what you have to say if you're not saying what he wants to hear. So then the cut to Darren. Now he's interrogating the driver. Now they're inside of a bar, which makes me think that were they out? Were they just in the alley <laughs> outside of the bar?
1: Maybe right. I mean,
0: that's what weird I'm weird. That's what that I'm everybody thinking.
1: was. Yeah. You know, did the cops? He doesn't. Yeah. Well, we can move on. It doesn't matter. That's where they did it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But yes, it's still weird.
0: Now we're inside a bar and and Dern is interrogating the driver and just giving him the business. And you know, he's, he knows it's him. We know it's him, but he's positive it's him because he's been trying to track this dude down for a long time. But then this is a moment where he starts showing his arrogance, talk, telling the driver how good of a cop he is and how good of a detective he is just to kind of give him a hard time. But he's not wavering. You know, O'Neill's just kind of like, dude. I, I've sat in this chair before by people that were threatening my life. You're not people you're, better than you. You're not, you're not bothering me at all, and it's and it's frustrating. Dern. And just, so he kind of looks down at his hot hot coffee in his mug and spills it on on O'Neill, trying to taunt the driver into doing something to him, just to punch him. It's the tax evasion thing. I can't get you for what I want to get you for. So I want to get you for something and put you away. The other cops, when they see this happen. Know it's such a dick move, and they jump up from their seats to kind of get ready to stop what was about to happen. And O'Neill's just like got his fist all balled up, and he's just ready to clock him. And Dern is just taunting him. He's just go ahead, dude. I'll put you away for for ten years. Do it. The driver just chills out, and then they let him leave because they got nothing on him but suspicion. Right. But it's only Dern that's suspicious.
1: Right. Because the other guys need to, the other guys need to see more than you know Dern's gut telling them.
0: Right. Even though Rolandi knows, he's pretty sure it's him. Also, he's enough by the books, like like Walsh, where he's like, "I'm not gonna. This is bullshit." You know, I don't. I'm Matt Clark. Sorry, we had nothing on him. You know, <laughs> we got four eyewitnesses that don't didn't say it's not him. Anyway, so we cut to outside a grocery store, and this is where we see uh, some dudes that come into play later on. It's Rudy Ramos, uh, Joseph Walsh, and Will Walker, and that's teeth, glasses, and fingers.
1: Right? In front of the Figueroa market.
0: Yeah. That was so cool in the Figueroa market. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, that's so great. Again, heavy Los Angeles. And if you grew up in the area, most of the stuff's not even around that you see in the movie. Most of the stuff doesn't exist anymore. As we've talked about with all the changes in cars and the way cars are, are driven by computers these days. Unlike the old cars in the movie, the landscape changed quite a bit in the last. Yo, 30, especially 40 downtown, years. Man, oh, especially yeah, especially
1: downtown, man. Especially where they filmed ninety percent of this movie. Yep. Between the Figueroa Market and the Bedspread Factory. <laughs> right. Oh
0: my God! Um, I forgot about
1: that. Two of the better, you know. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're paying attention to the background.
0: Right. So they're outside this grocery store, and it's funny is you look at all the names, and only Walsh's name of being glasses makes any sense because he's got glasses on. But like, I don't understand why Ramos is named Heath and I Walker think
1: it's because he's supposed to be like a pretty Latin boy, smiley, like, you know, Maybe I think, I think teeth is. just comes. Out. But fingers, I, I don't know. Unless the guy's doing something weird, like tapping the steering wheel with his fingers when he's waiting for them to come out of the market.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the only thing you see him do with his hands is like he rubs it underneath his nose while he's waiting for the guys to rob the grocery store. Right. And he's just sitting in the, in the car because he's the getaway driver waiting for him to come out. And out comes teeth and glasses, guns in tow. Glasses is giving fingers the shit for not having the, the car Can't door open. Can't you even open, open the
1: door, you idiot?
0: <laughs> He's just giving him hell for it. And glasses just stands, you know, just reaches out with his gun, just shoots out the window. We find out later on that's kind of his move, is <laughs> to right. shoot out windows.
1: Yeah, it's his thing.
0: So they get in the car and then they take off. No pursuit because it's just that's just it. And then you're like, wow, they got away easy.
1: (laughs) Well, they did after he hit the car on the side of the road and almost hit another car head on. He's not a very good driver. No.
0: Yeah. I forgot what what country he was in or something. (laughs) He He, he
1: suddenly (laughs) thought he was in Europe. I mean, I don't think he says, I don't think he speaks a word anyway. I mean, it's weird. Yeah, I think he does. Like, I
0: think if you ask him, like the glasses ask him, are you ready Before before, are you ready to go? He's like, yeah. Are you sure? Like, Yeah, I'm ready. He has some lines there, but it's like, I think that's the extent of it. He doesn't say anything yeah. more. No. So you think they get away. We cut to this undercover van that we're becoming become very familiar with in the back alley. And Dern is outside the van. Van gets opened up and we see gold red. And there's glasses with them. The leader from the grocery store robbery we just witnessed. Right. Oh, wow. Look at that. Whoa. So Dern's like, hey, what kind of gun did he have on him? And he hands him this, this nice slide 45 he's, he's like ooh 45 and so they're so they're just kind of busting glasses and balls right and so they we cut back inside we're kind of the bar and Dern's still kind of giving it to glasses he's just kind of like giving him shit Gold punches glasses in the stomach after he's kind to of give him some grief and now they're just like they're trying to blackmail him like Look, dude we we'll put you away we know you did this we got you know we have our proof that you did this we're after somebody else and we're going to set up a sting for O'Neill and you're going to hire him. And that's that.
1: You need a better driver. Cause they busted him. They, they, they popped him obviously from the robbery because their getaway driver sucked and everybody saw the Mustang. (laughs) So bad. So yeah, that's what I figured is they popped him and they, instead of, you know, running him in on a fucking grocery store job, they're like, okay, now you bitches work for us. Right. That's how that works. Yeah.
0: You know, Matt Clark, dude, he's just like again, when we saw a little bit of this earlier, he's not a fan of Dern's no way of doing things. And he starts giving him grief. And he's like going, dude, this is bullshit. You can't do this. You can keep pursuing this. I'm in this for the win, but you keep pursuing this, it's gonna cost you your badge. And he's basically threatening him. I'm gonna to go to I'm gonna to go to our superiors and hand you your ass. And then so Dern starts throwing back at him, and starts threatening him with an investigation,
1: <laughs> and he gives of, him. The, but he also, but he gives him this great baseball analogy. I'm the manager, you're a player. You know, yeah. he gives him that. That this is the most dialogue in the entire movie.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> where,
1: where Dern explains how being a cop and being on a team is like being on a baseball team, and but they don't retire you after 10 years. You get to keep going. <laughs> right. and this is a, this is adding on to his earlier speech to Dirt about how I'm the greatest cop, you know?
0: And this is, a, again, Michael Mann takes a little bit of this for his Pacino and Ted Levine yeah. characters and the, totally. their, their exchange, yeah. So what's so cool about it, it makes me love this movie more, more. I find more of an affinity for Heat, which I already love. And so it's cool seeing these little things like that because Michael Mancentori is from taking it from himself, but it's nice that he he doesn't steal. It's an om- it's one hundred percent an homage because it's little things, dude. The mass the mass in the beginning, yeah. That's just totally.
1: You know what else? You know what else? This movie looks like it. It reminds me a lot of Collateral because of yes, the, oh all, shit, all I- the nighttime of Los Angeles. Yeah, this movie is this movie is seventy five percent nights, right? Yeah. All the driving stuff, and you know, at night, it, it's very, you know, so obviously, man was a fan of this. This came out before Thief as well,
0: yes. And then you see a lot of elements of that movie, uh, In of drivers, as well. And, and, yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. You should point out since we're talking about how the, the look of the movie, uh, Philip H. Lathrop is the DP on it, and you, his work, whew, dude, he worked on everything, you know, Peck and Paw's Killer Elite, Borman's Point Blank. Um, he did all of those disaster movies from the seventies, all the airport movies, um, earthquake. <laughs> so he, he was all over the place and, and, uh, he has a very unique look Hell yeah, for this and the other movies. And, but they're all, but again, they all have their own tone, but you can tell it's a laser movie. But Like you said, there's two types of shots in this movie locked down wide shots for the car chases and everything and everything else is like medium close ups it's just because everything else we're just we want to see we're seeing facial reactions we're seeing people acting with their physical and not the words which is fucking so cool like I said there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. Yeah.
1: I mean it's very much like point blank yeah. uh, the you know the like when Limar especially you know the way you see Los Angeles it's very similar. I mean it has that you know he definitely applies that same sort of vibe um, here in, in Driver.
0: We mentioned Drive earlier and Nick Reffin and what he did with that. He took so much from this movie, but then he also took from Walter Hill with all the neon from Streets of Fire, right? He really, yep. so he, he's clearly a big fan of Hill in general, not just. Oh yeah, he
1: is for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hill and Mann and Friedkin, you know, all the stuff we love. Yep. Reffin is a big fan of it. Let's see where I leave up. Uh, Clark and, uh, him and Clark were having their yeah, Clark's yeah. basically time, you know, fucking do this right. Or I'm going to fucking the brass, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I paraphrase. Yeah, obviously. exactly. And then
0: Dern threatens him the same way. He's like, oh, you know, right. what, what if I investigate you? He's like, go for it, man. I got a 12 years on the job from my working towards my pension. I got a wife and I get a kid. Fuck off. Go for it. Try your best. You're not going to, you're not going to find anything on me. He's righteous, but you don't, you don't think he's a dick because he, he's right. Right. So then they all hop in the van and it drives off. Cut to O'Neal just kind of stand outside his apartment building. And there's Isabella and she walks up and sees him. Did some kind of exchange talking about, oh, you're paying me? <laughs> Usually that's not how that works.
1: And again, it's still unclear. Who she is or what she's done and what her part is.
0: Right. So we cut to her apartment. And they're just kind of having their exchange and he's like paying her. It's really, it's weird. And I, I, there's, I mean, maybe you can kind of lend some of your insight on this because I'm confused as to why he's sitting around talking or why didn't he just pay her and split. Right. You know, it, he seems to be very economical with his moves and with this time and based on, you know, him busting balls saying you guys took too long. You guys were late. I figured he'd be like, here's your money. I'm out. The less he's seen, the better, especially with her.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hanging
0: out her apartment is probably not a good idea. He, he asked her, I'm like, you know, why are you doing this? Well, why did you do this kind of thing? And she's like, well, you know what? I've done some shit things in my life. And, you know, I used to have a sugar daddy. And those payments don't come in like they used to. So I need the money. It's like, but again, we still don't know why or how she's being paid. But while he's with her, her phone rings and it's Darren on the other line. And he's on his way upstairs. He wants to talk to her. And it was so great about O'Neill in this movie. His expression never changes on his face. Nope. He's always the same. And so when he finds out Dern's on his way up, he's kind of like, All right. <laughs> Knock at the door. She lets Dern in, and he's just kind of giving her the business again, just an extension of their conversation during the lineup earlier. And she know he knows that she knows something. And now he's doing the same thing he did. With Red earlier, he's saying, look, I you got a record and we can talk about that thing that got swept under the rug and I can have your ass in. So now she's getting blackmailed by him like glasses was earlier. So one last time, he takes out the photograph and he's waving it in her face and he's flicking the photograph with his index finger. Oh, yeah. It's so good.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> and that's a Dern thing. You know, Dern yes. is... He's a marvel to watch, especially, you know, he's got probably the lion's share of the dialogue in this movie Yeah, of what there is. Right. But again, he's doing a lot of it with his face, his actions. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little, that is is so fucking annoying, dude. I would want to fucking, I would want to break his finger.
0: It's like those people that would crack those porno cards over on the strip in Vegas. Yep. <laughs> it's so annoying. They're cutting back and forth. and You see that the driver's hiding in the bedroom, but there's one shot just before he shows her the picture where we're sitting in the room with him looking out into the lit living room as he walks up to her to show her the photograph. I'm like, it's so great, dude. And like his face is just lit just enough from the, from the living room light. It's so beautiful. And this movie could even play in black and white. It's so well lit. They look pretty amazing. Some of, I mean, all those dialogue scenes leave everything else in color. So she's not having it. Well, we don't know if she's, she's succumbed to his, his threats. He just says to her one last time, "Is was like, you know what? You know how to reach me and pieces out. Right? No, he comes out, pays her and then he splits. What's funny at this point now he's, you know, he doesn't talk to her very much more and just kind of gives her money and leaves. Cut to a, another bar. Again, it's a Walter Hill movie. we get got bars hey, in man. this movie. <laughs> a lot of bars. And this is where we get to see Ronnie Wakeley for the first time. And Ryan walks up to the bar and grabs a drink where she's sitting. And he goes and sits down at a table. And she joins him. And she starts telling him about another job. I mean, which is sounding like the sting that we're privy to. It's getting ready to take place with the police and glasses. So we're realizing real quick, like, oh, she's the connection. Of course, that's her name in the movie. She's the connection. And she sets up all these deals. And that's all. Or she's just the liaison between one party, want to talk to another party. But he agrees to, he's hearing more and more about this plan. And he agrees to meet with the grocery guys. And again, if it's not a bar out on the street or in a parking structure, this isn't the driver. (laughs) So we're in a parking structure again. Right? And here's the grocery trio that we saw in the beginning uh, robbing the grocery store
1: earlier on. Glasses, teeth, and fingers. <laughs> yeah. Now, why is fingers even there? You think after his fucking poor performance, he would just put a bullet in the back of his head and then it'd just be glasses. Yeah. They don't need him. Yeah. I mean, they're coming for a new driver. That's the whole point.
0: Right. And I think maybe it's because, you know, maybe if he heard about it through the grapevine that these three robbed the grocery store, they don't want to allude that maybe one of them got arrested. I don't know.
1: Yeah, something. Who knows?
0: They start talking to him, and you know, quite and, and talking about him, and he gives them his rate. Of course, now they're kind of like busting his balls and like and questioning his capabilities, and he's like, <laughs>
1: "Dude, this is like my favorite scene of the movie. I fucking love this scene,
0: dude. It's so good." So he just hops in their car with all three of them, and. He starts driving around doing some incredible stunt driving, going in and out of pillars and
1: parked cars and fucking. And all of
0: a sudden, you're like kind of like, and it's what you expect to see. But now he's just like, then then the fuck you moments start happening. And he's running into walls. He's knocking off mirrors and
1: fucking <laughs> mirrors and <laughs> fucking bat, ripping the doors off and, you know, taking them underneath fucking trucks and, you know, scared. Basically, like, okay, how good am I?
0: Dude, this is how good I am. I'm gonna fuck your car up for questioning me.
1: Right. <laughs> it's so beautiful.
0: And and basically make you shit your pants. He's slamming the front bumper. He's slamming the back bumper. He's. I mean, he fucks the car up good. Like I said, it comes to a stop and he gets out. And dude, right away, teeth goes at him. <laughs> he just. He's so pissed. I I love Rudy Ramos in this. He's great. And he's. I mean, he's wonderful in this movie. And he's. Again, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue like most people in the movie, but he's so good and he's super effective. He's it. the
1: one person you literally hate in this movie. Yeah. I mean, and he's doing it all with, you know, because he, he's that smarmy aura is coming off of him. You know, he is the most dangerous, if not the smartest person in the movie. He's definitely the most dangerous, but also probably, probably not the brightest.
0: There's a little bit of a fight with, you know, with, with teeth and the driver. And glasses kind of gets between them trying to talk them down. Basically tells the drivers like, I don't want to fucking work with you guys, dude. I'm not, I don't like guns. Fuck you guys. You suck.
1: (laughs) I don't like them. I don't carry them. Remember that. He says it. He doesn't carry a gun. Yep. I wonder if that comes into play later. I wonder. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Teeth shows up. Right. And he's threat he basically comes to, to like, hey man. It's all cool. We really, you know, we need you, bro. Blah blah. blah. And O'Neill's like, I gave you my answer, and he's like, I didn't like your answer. And he pulls out a fucking gun.
0: Yeah, and that's. (laughs) And and he's
1: like, I'm gonna fucking. And then you know, and then O'Neill bitch slaps him. Right. You know, he knows teeth isn't gonna shoot him because I think he kind of smells a rat.
0: Right. Right. He's pretty sure of it.
1: So then he knocks him. Then he fucking punches him again and knocks him down the stairs (laughs) face (laughs) first. And you know, if this had been drive. Ryan O'Neill would have stomped his head into the staircase right. at this point, right?
0: <laughs> right, right. And Teeth looks at him and says, but dude, hey, I just wanted to talk. And he fucking pulled a gun on him. I just wanted to talk. Right. But he beats the shit out of him and he just says him, you know, I'm doubling my fee and you can't be part of this job. It's funny that he senses a rat, but he just thinks it's a different person. He, he thinks that it's Teeth. He thinks Teeth is, is the one setting him up. And Glasses tells Dern that, that you know, the driver's been hired and we're on. And then this is another great exchange with the detective in Glasses. And Glasses just like, man, if you, if you, if your cops show up on the scene while I'm trying to rob this place, there's going to be a gunfight, man. He just goes right at it, dude. He just fucking lays it out there. And then Dern grabs him.
1: Right, like he's going to drop you, like he's going to throw him off the building. Right,
0: right. He's going to let you go, dude. And he's, no guns.
1: No guns.
0: Just tell me where you're meeting. That's all I need to know. We cut to a bank is being robbed and we see glasses and fingers come rolling out. Right, And fingers, man, he's got a problem, man. He doesn't know when to keep his fucking mouth shut. (laughs) He's just kind of taunting him.
1: That's what I said. They should have put a bullet in that dude.
0: Yeah. You know who glasses reminds me of? He reminds me of a what's his face from Robocop.
1: He reminds me. Yeah. Clarence Boddicker. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I was thinking the same thing, except for uh, Kurtwood is way cooler than this cat.
0: Fuck yeah, he is. (laughs) He looks more like a dad than glasses, but but that's why he. But his that's why it's scary. That's why it's scary. His steely delivery in RoboCop is just what's that's what's missing from glasses in this. Yeah, but glasses just kind of he's but he's a wannabe. Clarence, he, he's not capable of being Clarence, he right, wants he to be, he, but he yeah. can't be.
1: <laughs> People don't take him that serious. No, he didn't have the juice
0: because he looks like the dude from Jaws 2.
1: Or, I was gonna say, he looks like uh, he looks a little bit like J.K. Simmons in um, he had hair, and I was like, wow, it was hair. long, and yeah, he had long hair, and he was like, uh, setting up his buddy. I get now, I'll have to now, I gotta find it because i <laughs> it. God damn it. <laughs>
0: Nah, come on now.
1: I'll I'll just do it quietly. So
0: glass is just like going, you well fuck you dude. You can talk some shit, and he puts a, like three slugs into his stomach, <laughs> and grabs the the other bag. and And as this is happening, the driver comes screaming up and pulls in front of and in front of the bank. He hops in and he kind of goes, yeah, yeah. He's meeting us around back, and he's gonna meet us in the back or something to like that effect. He's because he wants to know where the fuck fingers is. So they go take off. And by the way, it's it's a nice little moment because this is a reminder of how the casino job should have gone down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) On time. On time.
0: So they get to the meeting point and there's another vehicle there. So there's some kind of, they get moved, they're switching vehicles and glasses tells the driver, yeah, I'm working with the cops. (laughs) And he's like, oh man, but right now, you know, Dern is at another place. I told him to the meet is thrown at a different location. He's waiting for us, and he's never—we're never, never going to be there. And then Glasses pulls out a gun and goes, "You know what? You're an idiot for never carrying a gun." And he takes an aim at the driver, <laughs> right? Who, in turn, shoots with a through a window with, through his driver's own window game he, with a gun you didn't see until it is already blasting. He shoots Glasses and then puts another one in him, and he walks over to make sure he's dead.
1: Dude, and I love this. It. Again, it's just fucking No, nobody says anything. There's no talk about it. He literally pulls the gun up, fucking shoots him.
0: Yep. And they did such a great job hiding it too. Yeah, sure, there's a door there and the window's rolled up with the driver's door that's open where he's kind of standing there. But the way he's standing, and I rewound to look at it again, the way he's standing, you should still be able to see his hand roughly where his hand is through the glass, so it's like hiding it in plain sight, which I thought that was really fucking cool. Yeah. Because you don't expect it. Because when he shoot it, it's literally, he just lifts his wrist up and go boom, boom, boom. And again,
1: shoots. it's very much like Victor Rostov when he shot the cop in red heat. Yeah. Similar. So good. There's a right way to do those things in a wrong way. <laughs> and Walter knows the right way. Yes.
0: <laughs> he does. So the driver walks over and checks the bag inside the red truck now, the red truck, which was going to be their getaway, their their exchange vehicle. Makes, makes sure it's all good, hops in the red truck and pieces out. We cut to the Union Station, right? Union Station is the big train station here in Los Angeles, for those of you who are not familiar.
1: And dude, how glorious does this thing look? I empty do. like that. And it's, you know, I've never seen it that busy, but also that sparse and yeah beautifully lit
0: yeah exterior wise it hasn't changed a lot over the years but interior wise it's it's a lot different now oh yeah so the driver goes in there goes up to a locker drops his money in and puts the dirty money bag into of the lockers and then a couple spots over gets the gets a key to another locker but doesn't put anything in just leaves it empty me cut to him meeting up with the connection now and she's trying to he's trying to work out a deal with her so he can launder the stolen money. And she tells him, you know, it's four to one on on cleaning your money for you. He's like, Yeah, fuck it. That's fine. Do it. So he sets all that up. Then the driver meets with with Isabel and gosh, now now we know what she's being hired for this time. <laughs> she's being hired. I'm gonna get you your money. Um, we just gotta get this money clean first, and that's where I need you for. I need you to help me get pick She's up She's John Voight. Yeah, he in need, heat. Yeah, you he gotta pick up the, you to pick up my money for me because I can't be seen there. Well, teeth. In the meantime, finds glasses dead and at the meeting point. <laughs> so he just like he's super pissed. He's already hot blooded anyway against the drivers, and now he finds his his partner dead on the ground because of the driver.
1: Money's gone.
0: So he. Just disappears. We don't see him, but now we see the connection. going walking into her apartment, and there's teeth sitting on her couch,
1: smiling, smiling. With just, those teeth. Yeah.
0: She starts talking. She's doing the one thing you don't do. <laughs> she starts yapping, making right. up bullshit. This is you know, wait for the questions first, sweetheart. Because you're you're already telling him that you know something by talking before he asks you a question.
1: I don't know where he's at. <laughs> Just,
0: why don't you just go ahead and tell him that you know everything so he throws it on the couch like he's gonna you know maybe continue his interrogation and into some other criminal acts but he finally gets her to to come clean after he puts the barrel of his gun in her mouth for a little bit and pulls it back out and she goes and just tells her hey dude, dude
1: and how fucking that's pretty horrible scene dude That that might be the most graphic yeah and troublesome thing for me when i was watching that that whole sequence where he's just got the gun in her mouth and he's because it, it looks painful yeah like like they were really kind of good like they both kind of like he was like fucking her because you know there's a tear she's tearing up And I, uh, it's yeah. the one thing that really kind of was like oh it kind of you know there's always a moment in every movie that kind of something gets me and that's what got me in this movie like oh
0: yeah, it was, it's funny too, because I couldn't remember if she came clean or not. <laughs> and she, right. And and I'm like, oh, well, man, she's not saying anything with that gun in her mouth. She's not gonna. And then he pulls up the gun and she reveals his location. I'm like, wow. And she's like, I told him I wouldn't die for him. <laughs> and it's just, she's repeating the line that she had told the driver just a few moments before that. I won't die for you. Guess what? And he goes, I understand. And he puts the pillow over her face and he
1: gets her. Dude, and again, it's so quick. And then the, just the puff of feathers and the the ones that land on him. There's no blood in that scene.
0: No. No. It's,
1: it, but it's super effective. And, and I think it's better without the blood.
0: Yeah. And then, like you said, the, there's feathers in the air and kind of some kind of land on him. And he just kind of just casually, with the back of his hand, brushes the feathers off of that land yeah. on him. I'm like, well, okay, so now he's gone from being a hothead that we saw earlier to somebody very focused on his goal. And that's, that's dangerous. You and have, you have somebody right. that's criminally minded and that kind of focus, you, you don't kind of wanna...
1: reminded me of uh, Javier Bardem in No Country. Yes. Just in that moment, right?
0: Yeah. Just the casualness of like uh, feathers. <laughs> what a nuisance. And just kind of, yeah, pretty great. We had to see Isabel at the train station, right? And she's waiting for somebody and she meets what is being um, identified as the exchange man. So he's bringing the clean money and he's going to take the dirty money. He stashes the clean money in the empty locker from earlier. And then he he opens up the the other locker with the dirty money and gets on a train. What everybody doesn't know is that the station is being monitored by the police right now.
1: (laughs) Right, the whole thing.
0: And next thing you know, the detective's on the train trying to track down the money bag. It's the only proof he's got this bank was robbed. And obviously the money's either marked or something along those lines because it was part of this thing. And the exchange man sees the police kind of ahead in in the car, in the train car that he's in, kind of checking people's luggage and everything. And he kind of freaks out and grabs his bag and runs to the car behind him. He sees an opportunity to like, I better stash this thing. So he stashes it in the overhead compartment and then grabs another bag, a tan briefcase that was up there and heads back towards his car. And he sees that they're still looking for him. This is one thing that I was confused at why they put it in there. Um, Why he goes all the way back to his car to see that they're still talking to people. You know what I mean? He made he swapped bags so his bag wouldn't be seen. Right. It's weird that he goes all the way back to his other car. And, but then he, he does and sees that they're still going through and talking to people and looking in bags. So he goes into that that back train car's bathroom and starts hi- he's hiding in there. And Dern makes his way back there, sees the bathroom, knocks on the door and opens it up and says, hey, we're checking everybody's luggage. And he's like, all right, hold on. And he opens up the toilet door and pushes out the tan briefcase that he stole. Dern annoyed, kicks it back in and closes the door. And continues back towards where the bag was stashed and he sees the bag immediately.
1: I love the interchange with him and the poor bastard yes. who uh, <laughs> who's like, Is it your bag? Said, no. Dude, it's so rough, man. Damn briefcase. Yes.
0: Yes. He's just like he's like he's grabbed him. He's ready to fuck him up too. It's right? So he's rough. like
1: he's he's gone Chris McDonald on this train.
0: Yeah. He's he's just like darn like quickly heads back to the bathroom. And he cracks the door open, there's E-Man, you know, trained to bust the window escape. And then there's a shootout between the two of them.
1: Very close quarter shootout, too. Yeah, that.
0: yeah. It's, it's on, they're like seven or eight feet apart from each other. A bunch of gunshots from Dern, you know, lands and even and as well as blowing out the window.
1: And let me just say again, dude, that fallout of that train car, yes. that moving train is fucking crazy.
0: Dude, when he falls out and just lands on his back, too. Oh, yeah.
1: I I can't see where they cut it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't either, dude. It was like he lands on his mark and everything. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, man. It, and you know it was his mark because it was that one spot was lit. It wasn't like he just landed.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oof. Again, prop to the stunt, guys. Just like with red heat. Fuck, man. Just wow. Good stuff. We cut to teeth now. And he's. <laughs> He's with with Isabel and he snags her purse that has the clean money locker key in it, right? And he runs and hops in the getaway car with another driver. Now this is, so now he's got himself a new driver. Obviously, it's not Fingers because Fingers is dead over in the bank. And Fingers couldn't drive for shit. And we know Fingers sucks. So Isabel says to the driver, like, oh, yeah, dude, she just, he just took off. He stole my purse with the key in it. So they go hop into the red truck and chase after him again in the final chase of the of the movie. Oh, and
1: dude. And this is the great, fuck. I mean, the, the other ones leading up to it were great. This one is fantastic.
0: Right. And as we talked about earlier with Red Heat and the comparable with the bus, with the buses, this is exactly like the ending to Red yep. Heat.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And it's fine. It's fucking, it, when, it's, it's okay to kind of borrow from yourself, especially yeah. if you up the game. And Red Heat yeah, ups man. the game from this, but this is still fucking killer for this kind of thing to happen in 78 again.
1: On a $4 million movie.
0: Yeah. A time when stuntman stuntmen ruled. This is why the movie Hooper was made. <laughs> 100%. It's, it's The stunt, Fall Guy. Yeah. All of it was made because yes. stuntmen
1: were badasses. Stuntmen <laughs>
0: were fucking men, dude. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to say anymore about it. It, have a nice car chase, but the meat of this car chase, the meat of the pursuit is when they get to this warehouse. And it's just a maze of palleted material, you know, 15, 20 feet high. And it, it's a total mouse maze, dude. And they, and you just, all you hear again, no music again, just squealing tires <laughs> everywhere. Right. And neither one, there's a one, they know where each other is at one point, and then they lose each other. And then, The more experienced driver, that's why I love the fact that the kid, the younger driver is called the kid, you know, the inexperienced one, essentially just, he's still kind of squealing around while our guy, the driver just says, fuck this. And he backs in and just waits for the guy to pop out. He just let let him tool around for a little bit. It's like that old joke about the young bull and the old bull, right? Absolutely. (laughs) It's all about patience. He's like, he's got to come out, and there's only one way in and out of this place, and I'm going to wait right here for him. And one point where teeth and and the kid are just kind of like looking at each other like, well, fuck it. I guess we're okay. I don't see him anywhere. And they start to make their way out, and they turn the corner, and there's the red truck and the driver ready to play another game of chicken. (laughs) It's just so he fucking barrels right at him. And in just the same fashion with the two cop cars earlier, the kid. Chickens. Chickens. And he turns in this crash, dude. Ugh. I
1: don't know how they walked away from it, I don't it, exactly,
0: dude. I don't know how. I don't know how. Unlike the larger cars, the LTDs you were seeing earlier, I'm pretty sure this was a Camaro, right?
1: Yeah, this was like a 70, you know, 76, 77 Camaro.
0: Yeah, pre, pre-smoky pre Trans Am style
1: it was probably like a Rally Sport or something. Yeah. I can look at it. I'm just yeah, trying yeah. to think what the markings on it were. Cause I think that's how you kind of identify it. like Trans Am's had the Phoenix on the hood. Right. And, um, you know, the Rally Sport had the kind of funny, sporty graphics along the side, hence Rally Sport.
0: While, while this car is much heavier than cars of today this is the this car still is is not nearly as heavy as these l t ds that we saw you know or that right. red
1: truck <laughs> right
0: especially that red truck lumbering around that we saw earlier in the movie so when it it turns and the the hood lands on this like embankment like where the trucks would normally like big trailers would normally pull in to allow them to load the pallets with pallet jacks Ugh. um and he just it lands in a way I'm like going man. I know these guys are really well planned out, but did that really go the way they wanted it to? Right. It sure looked like he hit in a way that you've never seen a car hit before. And it, like he said, I thought the same thing. I'm like, fuck, did anybody, did anybody get hurt like really bad? <laughs> Cause it was a nasty crash.
1: It was, yeah, man, it was gnarly.
0: So they, they both kind of climb out of the wreckage and Ryan is like standing above them because the car is down inside this lower area where you normally would have the trucks pull up. And he's just standing there. Teeth has a gun pulled on him. He's just like, "You give up, man. <laughs> this is you. you this isn't going to work for you." And give up. And he and he's not doing it. And, that, and when he, when he says give up, I'm like, "Wait, that's a cop thing to say." I thought that was funny. Yeah. And then he's like, "No," raises the gun up, and then and then forces the driver to shoot him, and he kills him Poor Teeth. He's dead.
1: Poor teeth. Finally. Yeah. Son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> and the kid walks up and just goes, dude, hey, man, I'm just a driver. They hired me.
1: I had nothing to do with anything else.
0: Nothing to do with any of this crap. And Anil clearly identifies with this young driver, right? And he just tells him, like, go home. He's such a.
1: He tells him to go home like he's talking to a 13-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Go That's home.
0: exactly how I wrote it, too. I go home like he's his dad.
1: <laughs> and, home. dude, I love the way the kid run. He just turns and he had, he brings him the purse and he turns and runs. Right. And they, they stay on him. Like you'd see him running down through the chute. He hurdles up onto the top and then they just stay on O'Neill and the kid is running all the way until he turns out of the warehouse.
0: Right. And then what I thought was so neat was basically like, that he, like he scared him out of the, out of the job. Right. Out, out of the straight. career. And what's funny is, ironically, this is the last thing this dude has credit for in IMDb. Was this-
1: scared him out of Hollywood. <laughs> scared him out of Hollywood. <laughs>
0: he saw what happened with that car and was like, "Man, I don't want to do movies like this." this is he was almost killed. <laughs> the driver and the player. I can't. I know we've been referring as as her real life name, but sure, her character in the movie is listed as the player, which is why I don't know why I kept referring to her as a dealer when it clearly is, she so was she's a player. The player. I the player. It. Anyway, so the driver and the player head back to Union Station to retrieve the clean money from the locker. She walks off to the side, and the driver goes and opens up the you know the locker. But just before he opens it, he turns around and looks, and it's a dead, it's empty station. There's one or two people walking around, but it's there's nobody there. It's quite a bit of difference between how on bustle we saw earlier. And he kind of senses something, which is what, why he turned around. Look, there's nobody there. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I have nobody around me. Opens up the locker, looks into the bag, and then turns around to see the detective. And like 20 cops just stand there right? waiting to arrest him. It's it's like that moment in Hudson Hawk where they like, you know, they snap their finger. And then, you know, all the dogs are standing on in a triangle formation. 100%. like a <laughs> Just instantly like, boom, they're all there. And then he's just kind of like, and then again, steely- Ryan O'Neill walks over to Dern, and Dern's just strutting like a cock in a hen house, right?
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, the only thing he doesn't do is start fucking walking around like Charles Durning in Best Little Whore in Texas.
0: (laughs) He's got him, and he knows it. Well, hands him the bag, and he looks inside. The bag's empty.
1: And the look on his face, man. Dern's face.
0: Yeah. It's so great. And, and the beautiful thing is, is like, they never say, did the the exchange man fuck them? Did, did Isabel get the money already? Did they hide, the, was there an exchange we didn't know about? You know? Right. But I thought that was really smart for Walter Hill to have the player with him in that car pursuit at the end. So you wouldn't think that she...
1: Went back and she She absolutely did
0: the swap. I think what it comes down to, I I love the ambiguousness, but I've seen, and I saw two different note, you know, synopses of it. And one said that the money's gone for some unknown reason. And somebody was alluding to that. It was the the exchange man that, that just showed up with an empty bag.
1: I took it as there was never any money in there. Right. That's kind of my, my take was that O'Neill and Johnny, so you know, we see it's you know we see what we're supposed to see, and we're you know we we're supposed to believe that the money. But I I, I kind of think there never was the the money was never in the locker. Right. Although when the exchange man looked at it, he you know it's weird. But, well, yeah, uh, no, there's
0: definitely the dirty money was was legit because that you know, that, that right
1: there is dirty money. There is
0: dirty money, but there was never any clean money, at least not at the Union Station. Right. Um, I still you know my take is that the money somewhere. And it, it was just that it was his way of basically telling Dern to fuck himself. Absolutely. And allows him the his op- opportunity to, to leave. Once Isabel sees like like the bag is empty, like, or the reveal is there and Dern is already, you can see the look on his face. She walks out and she like leaves casually, just very much in the steely way that Ryan O'Neill presents himself in the entire movie. Yeah,
1: she just turns.
0: Just turns and bails. And then I mean, what's so great about it is, dude, the driver literally leaves Dern holding the bag,
1: yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and I love that
0: when 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 Bruce Dern's leaving the Union Station, he just like drops the bag as he walks right? out,
1: because he doesn't want to hear anything from Matt Clark,
0: yeah, Matt Clark is just going to give it to him, and he just goes, "I'm not fucking this, I'm done,
1: yeah, and then that's I mean, what a great way to end a movie,
0: yeah. Again, we talked about uh, throughout our conversation, what a modern version of this movie would have happened in certain moments. And no movie would have ended like this now. There, you know, there, there would have been some kind of triple cross going on. Yeah. To me, there's the resolutions there, but some, but now some, somebody would want to do two or three more things to make sure even the densest of audience member, don't fucking insult yeah, me, man. dude. Totally.
1: I mean, the, the thing about this is that it's so sparse. It's so, yeah. it, it leaves a lot to your imagination. For sure. I mean, and also if you want, you know, this is the kind of movie that when I was in my twenties, uh, me and my friends would have debated whether anybody was actually really alive Or if they were dead Is this all an existential exercise You know, I mean, there's (laughs) all the obvious Hey man, if that's what you want out of it, it's great Or if you just want a car chase movie With a lot of badass tough guy dialogue It's that too So I mean, that's kind of what makes it a great You know, again, in in the Walter Hill filmography I mean, dude, this is like This is his second movie But clearly he defined his style with this movie. I Mm -hmm. mean, for everything that came after this, with, you know, with some exceptions of some, you know, again, some other movies we might talk about later on, um, similar themes um, and some not so similar themes. Every once in a while, you know, he'd come out of left field and make something that you're like, what? Right. But this is a Walter Hill movie through and through. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a super lean economical thriller that really gets a little more fleshed out in 4 years when he makes 48 hours. Right. I mean, it's, you know, not saying the storylines are similar, but the the approach to the filmmaking. Yeah. And storytelling.
0: Right. And the way I look at the end of this movie is this when he dumped his tool with that first job that we see I think he was
1: done.
0: Yeah, I, 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 he was retiring. I think he was done, and once he realized very early on that he was being set up, like very early on, it's the only reason he took the job. And then from that point on, his, his he goes, "I can't retire in peace until the detective gets fucked over." He knows that Dern's never going to give up on him. He's always going to be on his ass, even if he's officially retired. He's going to do something. So from the moment where he finds out about the new job, he knows it's a sting. He knows what's happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: he didn't care about the money. That's why, like like, like you were talking about earlier, maybe there wasn't any money. Maybe there was no clean money. Maybe the whole thing was just to set up for him to set up Dern to look like a fool. Then he can walk away. And which is that's how I interpreted the ending of the
1: movie. Exit strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he too.
0: didn't need the money. Like I said, he'd he'd already stopped. He'd already retired. But he had to play the game. I double my fee, do all this stuff because that's what he would have done if he was still in the right. game.
1: Yeah. Right. Otherwise, you know, otherwise they're on to him.
0: Yeah. Again, for a second movie, man. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Um, I wanna point out too that, you know, longtime collaborator Lawrence Gordon was the producer of this as well. And um, there's so much, this, and it was the beginning of a uh, of a lifelong career the two of them had together, too, moving on, you know. The, I mean, this same year, too, that this movie came out, their their scripted their script for Alien came out with Ridley Scott directing. And this was basically 76 to 77, 78 is where Walter Hill and Lawrence Gordon's career really took off. And yeah, it's cool watching a movie that's right there at the beginning of it. You know, watching a movie that they wrote called Alien become this big hit at the same time he's directing his, his second movie and that it's super well received.
1: All right. And they rolled right in, in 1979 also the warriors. Right. I mean, you know, so as alien was being made, they were shooting the warriors up in, you know, New York. Right. It, you know, and then a couple of years after that, 48 hours made them both a lot of money and, you know, <laughs> yeah. sort of solidified the beginning of, you know, a long run of, you know, successful producing and directing and, it's crazy. Right. I should also
0: point out too, uh, we mentioned Hooper earlier. Lawrence Gordon was the EP on that as well. And these both, both movies came out the same year and the end also came out the same year. So he was a producer on the end also. <laughs> so he, clearly Lawrence Gordon was very tight with, with, with the, uh, with, with stunt driven features. Yeah. And, oh and yeah. Rolling thunder the year before that, obviously a hard times in 75, but yeah. And, but he is all over the place too, but he, he's, he uh, produced everything that Walter's done. Like we mentioned 48 Hours, Streets of Fire, Brewster's Millions, you know, he, he did a lot of stuff and their career together has been something else. And you, like I so said, you'll see, you know, Lawrence Gordon's name is on all the movies that we're going to be talking about because yep. they're producing partners together.
1: One of the greatest, uh, one of my, one of the greatest nights I ever had at the New Beverly was going to see a, um, it was, it was, they were screening the Warriors and the Wanderers together. Oh, that's great. They had uh, Remar, Walter, and Lawrence Gordon doing the uh, introduction and they introduced the Warriors and then they you know they did a kind of a wrap up at the end and some of this I mean you could just tell man they, these guys have worked together for a long time and they, the stories were they were amazing it was it was one of the the best i mean i wasn't going to miss it man i would have i would have fought my way in to get in there <laughs> right. but yeah i mean these guys i mean I, just looking at the things that you know that, that, that they brought us over the years i mean you know if walter never directs another movie uh there's plenty to go back and revisit. I mean, there's things we're not even talking about. I mean, he wrote the screenplay for the getaway. Yeah. Hickey and Boggs and other, you know, early I think it was Robert Culp directed it. It's funny because, you know, to to have that kind of longevity between a producer and a director is kind of unheard of.
0: Right. I would like to see him do something else. You know, like I mean he's he's at an age right now where he can still do something. You know, he, he, look at, look, if, if Miller can do all those movies, those completely nutty movies like Fury Road at that age, then yeah, man, he can, I I would like to see him redeem himself for Bullet to the Head. Well, anyway, so there you go. There's, there's our, our second in the series. And this one was my first choice. You know, last week we covered one of your first two, one of your two choices. Ironically, this was supposed to be our first one.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, because we were going to go chronologically.
0: Yeah. And it didn't work out that way because I think I gave my copy away. So I had to wait for a new copy to come. And my DVD wasn't terrible, by the way. It was, but it was a flipper.
1: Right. uh, Yeah. You have the same one I do. Yeah. Right. The the four by three versions on one side. Right. uh,
0: Right. Which is super. But it's a
1: pretty good quality DVD, man. It is. The picture quality shocked me.
0: It is. And there's only one shot where I thought that it was little crabby but I just think that I think the master might have been I think the I think the image was blown out and they were just trying to get the color timing on just so you could still use the shot but for the most part yeah the movie still works I mean I would love a blu-ray of this movie seriously I mean if it looked this good you know with such a lower bit rate I'd really want to get a copy of it so I wish it was streaming because I would have just bought it I would have bought an HD version of just so I could have it. Uh, We need a new, we need a re-release of this. I know it came out at one point, but we need a re-release. Dude,
1: like you can, yeah, look at, go on eBay and try to buy a copy for the, one of the Twilight copies, (laughs) like a hundred bucks. Yeah, I'll pass. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's anything so extravagant on the disc that I would want to pay a hundred bucks for it. I mean, somebody should, yes, somebody should repackage this, shout somebody. Yeah
0: make it make it a fair price. I don't mind paying 20, 25 bucks for it.
1: I mean Shout is taking they've, they've they've they're they are, they've done some great Walter. They've done a, a really good Brewster's Millions. They did that Streets of Fire. Um you know, I would imagine that there's going to be a 48 Hours or a Warriors. Although Paramount owns the Warriors and it seems like it might be yeah. one of the movies that they do their little uh, when they you know, they're doing their boutique releases. Maybe they'll do the Warriors.
0: I hope so. Uh, so anyway, so there, there you go. Um, and, uh, we won't tell you what the other two are coming up because that's the fun of waiting, right?
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Come on now. You got to tune in.
0: Fortunately, I have those other two movies. <laughs> Don't worry about chasing them down. Um, but believe it or not, this was, had I not given my copy away, I would own everything that he's done with the exception of, of the assignment. You know, I do, I mean, I do own ball to the head because I bought it blind cause it's Walter Hill, dude. Why, <laughs> why would I?
1: <laughs> right.
0: And it's like, yeah, wouldn't get... you,
1: but uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think I own everything except for I, I'm having, I had, I had hard times and I can't find it. I don't no. know if I loaned it. I might've loaned it to Zach. So no. I don't have to look and see, you know, I'll, I'll have to hit him up because it was one of the first twilight discs I bought. Well, maybe, maybe
0: with uh, twilight changing hands, maybe we'll see some things that were already considered, OOP, you know, maybe we'll get them re-released again in maybe not so limited fashion. We'll see. And maybe get the rights back to it because all you have to do is just re-release it. <laughs> it's no big yeah. deal.
1: I mean, you know, they've, they've done it before. I mean, I, I'm shocked that it wasn't, I guess they didn't have any copies of it. That's why, because they they did all those uh, at the end. They, You know, they, they threw out whatever, 70 copies of this. We have 44 copies of The Train. But all that shit went so quick, man, unless you were like fucking on it and, right. you know. Right in the moment, but I don't think the driver was part of that. No. I think, I don't think you know, it was. I think the driver they did the, you know, three thousand because the driver's got such a cult following, man. Yeah.
0: I think it was I think it was long sold out before the
1: oh um, yeah. I mean, well, they say that all of them were because you know, when I I when I, mean, I, I remember trying to get a copy of the train, uh, you know, and they're like, Oh no, there's no nothing available. And then, you know, to the, like there were 40 suddenly somewhere from somewhere. We found, found a in a box. box. <laughs> Found them in a box in the warehouse.
0: See for, for somebody who used to work retail. I used to pull that shit all the time. I found
1: a box. Yeah, of course. No, yeah, you we mean, used I, to do that selling I, concert tickets.
0: At My stash. It's my stash that I had in the back. Um all anyway, right. So anyway, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Cope or the official at Karate Pod, or in letterbox at Corey underscore Cope. And if you'd like to support us on Patreon, that'd be pretty awesome. If you could, uh, if you want to, that was at patreon.com slash KITG podcast.
1: If you want to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on Twitter or Rock and Roll of 33 on your Instagram or at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. I'm curious.
0: Tom Cody. <laughs> it's our move now to repeat it every time. Tom I Cody. guess so. Yeah, sure. Especially during Walter Hill month. Yeah. Hey, we're we're loving the shit out of doing this series. I think we're going to keep on doing it.
1: Yeah, I think you know, I mean I'm enjoying the shit of it. It's fun to watch like, you know, films from you know, some of these directors that we've grown up and loved, you know, and watch films watch their films from, you know, you know, the 12 years apart. Like Red Heat was 10 years after The Driver. Crazy. Dude. That's Right.
0: Anyway, so good stuff and
1: uh Yeah. There you go. Right. See you at the movies. <laughs> Gotta hope so. Dude, did you see the uh, Beyond Fest drive-in summer series that's just dropped? The Lost Boys and Fright Night?
0: Yep. And that's the one for... Uh... July
1: 23rd. <laughs> Next Thursday. Yeah. From the night. Guess what I work? At this Thursday? Point, I'm working Thursday. Yeah, there you go.